We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor, touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter, at Overtime Ireland, and as always I'm joined by Sean Siegel, co-host of the Rotoviz Overtime podcast, co-host of Stealing Bananas as well, along with Ben Gretsch, and of course co-owner over at rotoviz.com. So Sean, it is the Saturday before the Super Bowl, we are excited for this game, we talked about it earlier this week when we kind of done our commentary on why each team will win, I really enjoyed that process overall and then on the uh, Thursday edition we were joined by JJ Zacharyson and that was just a phenomenally fun show to record hopefully you have heard that one already hopefully you've enjoyed it but if you haven't already heard it of course you can head back and check it out after this one and that show is also posted up on the Road of His YouTube channel if you haven't already head on over click the subscribe button over there you get to see myself and Sean and of course I teased it on that episode JJ's uh, new setup for his studio and um, so all things uh to go over and click on that subscribe button over on youtube.com sean super bowl is here it's one day away we're excited we didn't mention it on the tuesday show but we got to tell the the listeners who we think is is going to win this one we are excited and you know i i just don't think there's a lot of suspense Colin. at this point rotaviz overtime is more or less sponsored by one Joe Burrow. So, I mean, he's not going to let down the fans in the biggest game of the year. You should have let in with that tease and then said, of course it's the LA Rams <laughs> to, to lead to that tease. But yeah, Joe Burrow has been our guy all off season, uh, last season, but we went like kind of all in on him this year, the Bengals in general. And, you know, there was weeks where maybe it wasn't going as good as it could have went, but the trajectory for the end of the season. And if we're looking just towards uh, the Super Bowl, if you look, they've beat the Titans, they've beat the Chiefs, obviously, Sean, not too happy about the second one of those, but they have knocked off the number one and number two seed on the road. They now go to face off against a team in the NFC who obviously have won the NFC, but they are not in any way, shape or form the team probably that were uh, projected to be there based on, on seeding a couple of weeks ago. And um, they have made their way there, beaten, you know, a 49ers team who have had their issues at times and Jimmy Garoppolo has been banged up. Um, and didn't get the job done then of course we talked about Stafford's almost interception in that game and um, you know I think the the way things have played out here 
uh, I think that the market is overvaluing the far, or sorry, the the Rams. And obviously, in this situation, they are playing in LA as well. A bit of an edge there that myself and Sean were talking about before recording today. But I'm I'm feeling the Bengals. I'm feeling this is the right time, and uh, they're they're going to go and, and get that W. And what a journey it'll be to you know look back. I know like there's the America's Game shows where they look back and you see the team, how the thing started, how it's going, and the whole story from. You know, Joe Burrow and his injury to then drafting Jamar Chase to some of the real highlights of the season but there was a couple of real low lights in there and I remember I think it was around week six or week seven I said um, I think it was after the big win against the Ravens the first game I was like yeah this is my adopted team from the the AFC for definite and then they went like on a three game slide after that where they looked so so bad and then obviously they picked up big at the end and Sean me and you are also that little bit biased based on you know Joe Burrow helping us to that uh, second slot in the uh, FFPC Best Ball Tournament, which was obviously a, a great run as well. Um, so yeah, I, I'm leaning Joe Burrow. I'm leaning the Bengals, and I think this is going to be a fun one. I hope I hope it's just a really good game. We've had a so we've been kind of spoiled over the last kind of ten to fifteen years off really good Super Bowls. We've had a couple of duds in there, but prior to that, I think people forget sometimes that there was a lot of duds, uh, you know, <laughs> involved in some of these Super Bowls with blowouts and things. So. Let's hope let's hope we're in for a good game. And you touched on it on the the show on Tuesday. Let's hope it's not the the situation where we've seen with the Rams and the Patriots, where we get like a you know a thirteen six or something like that. If the Bengals are to lose, let it at least be you know thirty seven thirty two or something to that effect. Yes, and if not, I mean we can all harken back to that sort of bad stretch in the middle of the season where our fantasy teams were crashing and burning because it was all Joe Mixon right, Joe Mixon left. Joe Burrow sacked punt and they've done a little bit less of that, but the Tennessee Titans certainly forced him into that. There's some concern that the Rams will be able to do it to him. I know that the Rams are going to be holding out for those celebrities to make some noise when Burrow is facing the third downs. We'll see how much the crowd can make an impact there. But Colin, you mentioned some of the interesting props. You mentioned the potential for bold predictions. How, how is this game very specifically going to play out? If people want to uh, make a lot in the betting markets, what what are you seeing here as the way to play this? Well, my history in Super Bowls has been quite negative from a betting perspective. I'll, I'll hold my hands up on that. I've been on the wrong side a couple of times. Uh, I've been on the right side a couple of times as well. So I guess if we're on the batting average, I'm probably not going too bad. The, the luckiest escape I ever had was the Patriots Seahawks uh, Super Bowl with the Malcolm Butler pick six or not pick six sorry uh, interception that that saved my bacon in that one where I thought I was I was definitely going to lose and then I've had a few other ones where it didn't go quite as well but in this one I think that we're going to see probably a situation where the, the value is just too high on the Bengals so any advice I'm given take it with a pinch of salt maybe you don't agree maybe you do agree but the markets i've been really looking at that i find interesting is the kind of and it might be slightly different in the states but obviously it's getting far more open in terms of uh, prop betting and of course you also have um the super bowl which opens up those markets a lot more but it's quite easy over here to do you know bets specifically with anytime touchdown scores and the winning team and obviously 
the Bengals are the underdog, so that leads to that being a positive uh, bet if they if they come out on top. Obviously, a negative bet if they if they lose. But then you have two of our favorites and and Higgins and Chase, and there is some very interesting markets for those guys. If you pick one to score a touchdown anytime and win, um, some some good market. So I feel like that is where I'm going to be leaning on in terms of my main action this weekend. Um, you know, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, Sean, I had a, the Chiefs obviously. Uh, heading into that one you know maybe a little bit more expectation but i had a, a nice win that night with a, a travis kelsey anytime touchdown and uh chiefs win in that one that one got through by the skin of his teeth if we you know in hindsight it, it seems like an easy one but uh it wasn't looking all too hot in the fourth quarter and that one came out so that's kind of the area i'm i'm leaning into i like that as well because a bit like that chiefs game it, it does give you whole game to have that action it also gives you the anytime option of a touchdown rather than having to be first or last for example obviously less odds but that's where where i'm going so my bold prediction is going to be for t higgins i know a lot of people are going to be talking about jamar chase i'm going for t higgins to have the the big game 100 plus yards and a touchdown but my bet is going to be around the touchdown to t higgins and a, a bengals win so hopefully that's where where things go this coming Sunday, of course, that's not what the Rams fans out there want to hear, but that's what what us Cincinnati Bengals fans, Sean, want to say. <laughs> well, if you're going to take T. Higgins, then I think I'll take the opposite side of that. And I, I just I can't help but be reminded of these amazing watercolors that number one in the world best ball player Connor Driscoll has of Jamar Chase. And I think we see a situation not that dissimilar to what the Chiefs faced with the Bills, maybe even more dramatic, however, where the Bengals are down nine under two minutes, but they have their timeouts. They hit Jamar Chase over the middle, 20 yards down the field, but with multiple safeties between him and the end zone, he beats the angle on two different guys who seem to have him corralled, but that 4-3 speed allows him to jet to the end zone. He's as gone. We saw, as we saw Tyreek Hill do, as we saw Jamar Chase do to us multiple times, can't stop him, force the quick three and out, get the ball deep in their own territory. And then on the final play, Evan McPherson sets a new NFL record for longest field goal to beat the Rams by one. We have Jamar Chase. We have the Bengals' new superhero kicker making the difference at the end. If the Bengals win, it's going to be with the field goal, right? I mean, this is the field goal team in the playoffs. So that'll cap one of the most amazing stories in NFL history as the Bengals rally from the poorhouse to the penthouse and win the 2021-2 Super Bowl championship. And Sean, when you, you mentioned there, I, I was going like for a bowl prediction. You've gone for play-by-play, -play, exact situations happening and exact scenarios playing out. And uh, yeah, it's going to be, if, if that happens, um, it's going to be quite interesting. I'm going to think that you have some inside scoop here on that one well you want to make those predictions because with all the multiple universes out there in the one where it does hit you do seem to you know have some yeah, kind of what's, what's timeline are we on right we'll, we'll find out this sunday if we're on, on the right one but the other thing you mentioned there was the super bowl being you know 2021 slash 2022 something that i always thought you know at the start, probably Roman numerals weren't as confusing to, to go through, but as you get higher and higher and higher, uh, Roman numerals aren't my strong point. So, you know, going with the actual number is something that I would have uh, enjoyed seeing happen. But I noticed you went with LVI for our show earlier in the week, and I thought Colin's really gotten into that, knows knows where we are here with the Roman numerals. 
yeah, I had to go and Google to see which Super Bowl it was and which Roman <laughs> numerals they were. So I won't take any credit for that. But uh, the part that I was interested in is I, I think going with Super Bowl, tw- like, you know, 2022, I think is the the way I would prefer to do it. Have you a preferred option on are you old school? You're sticking to the Roman numerals. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the Roman numerals are and I don't know which season we're supposedly in. So it's safest to say Super Bowl champion. Yeah, it's the easy way to go. Yeah, but I think I, I would like that to be um, for any soccer fans out there, the the Premier League and and the UK and England that goes by you know that way you said at the start. So to be the twenty twenty one slash twenty twenty two champions, um, but I always think getting it on that second year is uh, an interesting way to go. But yeah, looking forward to it, Sean. We'll see if your bowl prediction comes out and if it is correct. But we'll we'll be talking about that, obviously, as a recap on Tuesday's show next week. I have the day booked off work on Monday. I always enjoy uh, one day that I always book off every single year because the Super Bowl, obviously, here is going to finish off um, in the very, very early morning. So looking forward to uh, this one on Sunday. We have lots more to talk about after the break, including best ball and some of the early season ADP. And Sean's going to give us a recommendation as well. So stay tuned for that coming up right after this. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RV Radio 2022 at checkout for 10% off a one-year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Sean, you recently did a best ball draft with Blair Andrews. You have done kind of some of the, you've had conversations with Ben on some of this over on Stadium Bananas. And you've also had a piece up last week previewing or recapping, I guess, rounds one through four. But we're going to look a little bit about how the draft played out and the rounds after that. So, kind of five through 10 or 11 and see if there's any interesting segments that have come out in that that, uh, you know, you find unique in that particular draft. It is very early for drafting. I know our listeners will know that we kind of draft 365. We don't we don't really stop. We just keep going. Um, so we'll be hopefully doing one of these over the next couple of weeks. Myself and Sean will have more of that coming your way as well. So it should be a fun one uh, over at the FFPC. They have the way to early drafts. And I know um, there's many companies out there with lots of different options as well. But Sean, this particular draft, you're going to have to refresh me here. Which spot are you picking out of? 
We had the 101. The what, is that allowed? It is allowed. It is I haven't allowed. seen we, that before. Well, we selected Jonathan Taylor, so we'll <laughs> see if he can do the same things for us that he did last season. But as we move kind of into the middle rounds here, and you mentioned Ben and I did a show on the first four rounds. I had that covered on the site. You can go check that out. The next article coming out, we'll look at these incredibly important rounds that I think people in some ways put a little bit of less emphasis on, but are actually more important. We're moving into the range now where they're no longer slam dunks. You look at the first four rounds, the best picks, the most controversial picks, and even the most controversial picks, it's like, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have gone that route, but the person isn't going to lose because of that pick unless their player gets injured, which is something that's going to be difficult to know before the season starts. Come here, five through eight, we have the first pick then in round five. And one of the interesting things is that already at this point, the wide receivers that you really want have dried up. And I think that's the thing that really stands out to me in the early going this season where people have talked about the wide receiver depth, the wide receiver depth. And that means you can, you know, start double running back. You can start triple running back. And then you can draft a bunch of these receivers. You can, and you could hit on some guys. And yet at the same time, you're definitely taking lesser scores and lesser upside when you're into this range already by round five. Right. And so when we talk about the number of wide receivers that you need to have in order to dominate and win the race to fill the flex, it, it gets a little bit iffy there. And so I think that these are some very interesting selections. And we made the decision to go with Devontae Smith. He'll be entering year two. JJ had some cool stuff on the show earlier this week talking about his prospect model, but then also the year two model. I think the people can overlook that. That's one of the things that I really try to emphasize when I do the year two breakout projections for wide receivers, which is that it's this combination of how they performed as rookies and what their prospect grade was coming in. And we can get some real values on that. Blair has done some research with the wrong read. Anybody listening to the show knows how valuable the wrong read is. Talking about just how much the target volume increases for those guys going into year two. And that's the case even for guys who were good as rookies. I mean, we tend to think, well, part of the reason that we have this big target volume jump is that the guys who just weren't involved, I mean, obviously that if they do get involved, they're going to have this target volume jump, but there's still some real value with those other players, with the star players. And one of the things that's interesting here with Devontae Smith is that he was very involved as a rookie, right? He comes off here as the wide receiver 21, but he was already wide receiver 16 last season in terms of air yards. And you think about that, and air yards are only one part of the equation, but it is interesting to note that he was up in that range when the Eagles were not a heavy volume passing attack, right? And so we look at some of the other players who were in the same vicinity for racers, so how well they converted the air yards. And you have guys like Terry McLaurin, who was our pick uh, at the 4-5 turn there, our last guy in round four. You've got some more expensive bounce-back guys like Stephon Diggs, DK Metcalf. And when we think about the type of efficiency we might expect to see from someone like a Smith in year two, you think about the way that his volume could jump. If this is a viable passing attack in 2022, I'm very confident that Smith is going to be not necessarily a home run, but it's going to be a very solid pick here, especially when you consider some of the other guys going in this range. And perhaps because he's a little bit smaller, because the Eagles really did run the ball at an excruciating rate last season, 
there are some red flags and there are some reasons why people maybe aren't as excited about him. But I think there's a real possibility that as the offseason moves along, Smith is going to move up similar to where we saw with the second year rookies last year. And I should say the second year wide receivers last year. And not all of those guys hit, but you get a feel for where those players have the chance to overperform their price. Whereas a lot of the other players in this range either don't have the opportunity or you're taking a lot more risk to get there. You have someone like a Michael Thomas drafted in the middle of the round. Obviously, I mean, he's been the wide receiver one by a massive gap. And yet things have completely changed from that point. You look at someone like a Traylon Burks, as JJ was mentioning, he looks like a fantastic rookie prospect. And yet to do what a Jamar Chase did or a Jalen Waddle did is going to be a challenge. You have a little bit more risk with him there in round five. You look at somebody at the end of the round in Amari Cooper, who, you know, Jerry Jones was talking about in the playoff game, he's got to be better. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you have to do better internal evaluation if you're the Cowboys and understand that it's not Amari Cooper that needs to do better. You've got to throw more passes to CD Lamb, right? So we have some situations here where on the one hand, we like Smith better in part because he went earlier. He was the first pick in round five as opposed to the last but I like his upside compared to other wide receivers in this range. Yeah, and I, I agree. And when we look through just for the ADP for the listeners, you mentioned Smith going at the 501, but the there is there is a lot of running backs going in this area. And of course, this is into that area of the running back dead zone. So like, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's going in that range, but you mentioned some of the other guys that are around that. And they are guys who, they will have potentially big weeks, but we're, they're almost like players that are potentially... Uh, kind of bounce back candidates now Tyler Lockett had a solid season but you have Michael Thomas in there you have Amari Cooper then we're getting into the younger guys but we have Mike Williams who probably peaked out at what we can expect based on how his season went versus the rest of his career we have Hunter Renfro who's in there who's a solid option but you know the ceiling is probably going to be capped there but going into third year players like Darnell Mooney then we're into Marquise Brown there is some rookies mixed in there, but then you're all, already in round six, you're starting to see the likes of Gabriel Davis, who had a massive playoff game, but um, you know, based on where he was going last year and where the season went up onto that playoff game, it's an interesting spot. You have Robert Woods come back up injury, Adam Thielen, who is banged up. You have Christian Kirk then when we get into round eight. Um, so we're starting to look at a lot of players in that range, and there is a lot of running backs going in, in this round, uh, you know, this round range, I guess we'll say, in that dead zone. We have Leonard Fournette in round five and then even our favorites last year sean who looked like they were potential values and like a james connor who was going in round 10 now going in round eight in terms of this particular draft tony pollard going in round nine so some of those guys going in similar ranges but then we do have um the likes of penny who was one of our kind of late late season saviors going in round eight so there's a lot of interesting uh, moves there to running back position and it looks like we will be trying to target wide receivers but like you mentioned wide receiver drying up pretty early and i think you've done a, a really solid job here in terms of what you've been able to get so Devontae smith in round five and i think he feels like somebody who is going to climb this offseason and the situation last year although the eagles did win some games probably as a wide receiver couldn't have been much more volatile we've even seen it with like dallas goddard and how his usage could kind of differ from week to week so i think there's a lot of potential for growth in that eagles offense and then brandon Ayuk in the sixth round who was in this range last year but um you know then obviously didn't have a great start to the season season couldn't have probably started any worse for him the season started or finished very very well and again we're going to look at what happens in the off season if we get trey lance in there people might think well maybe that's not 
overly and from a passing perspective that much better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I still think the upside of having Lance in there against defenses and having Ayuk and Samuel and Kittle in there, I think Ayuk's in a good spot there. You get Kyler Murray then, which you know we talked with JJ earlier this week. We didn't really get into the the very you know kind of stud quarterbacks, but we are going to see in best ball leagues quarterbacks go in that kind of round five through eight range. Um, some of the other guys going there, Lamar Jackson in the fifth, Justin Herbert in the sixth, and then we have Rodgers, Burrow, and Prescott going in the seventh. And then, again, Sean, you're back on the train this year, one of our favorite guys. We, I don't think we'll ever give him up, and he, he got us over the line in the, the big final to get to second spot. Um, last year, that is Noah Fant, and then Pat Fairmuth, who I don't know anyone that was as positive of Fairmuth after the, the draft, and finishing up with the Steelers um, with his draft selection as you last year post-draft for those rookie drafts in Dynasty. And um, because of that, I have him in pretty much every league that I, I drafted or, or we did rookie drafts last year. And then two of the rookies and Garrett Wilson and, and Drake London. And again, the, the work that I've touched on a couple of times on the show that Curtis Patrick has done, and there's been a lot of work on the site over the last couple of years as the, the rookies pre-draft, pre-NFL draft, and how much that changes post-draft. So, you know, we could see those guys take a, a two- or three-round jump after the NFL draft, depending on that landing spot that they find themselves in. So I think based on how the rest of these uh, you know teams have selected and how things have played out, I think you've done a, a really solid job there from round five through 11. And, of course, something that was interesting that JJ mentioned as well was his, um, you know, his drafting being based on the structural drafting kind of that we would do similarly as well. And I think this draft structure, I think is going to be interesting as you continue to, to play it out in your articles to see how it plays out. Cause there's a lot of dead zone running backs in here and I'm, I'm interested to see as well. You've only given me the snippet here of these rounds on the draft board. I, I would be interested to see how those structures have played out as well. Looking back in those rounds, Sean, is there anything that you would do differently? Was there any players that you missed out on that were, were very close to, to fall in your way that you were hoping to get that, that just missed out and then had to make an alternative selection? Yeah, well, one of the things that we wanted to see kind of in that round five, six range is where would Brees Hall go? Where would Travis Etienne go? Those are really our targets. And Hall goes at the 506. I think that he's the best value in that round. Etienne goes at the 609. I think that he's the best value in that round. Those are players that unless we get pretty negative information back as the offseason goes along, and that's always possible, and that's factored into where they're priced right now. If Hall ends up in a situation maybe similar to Javante Williams last year where he's either in a committee or perhaps not even the clear starter. I mean, he looks like the top back in this draft with Isaiah Spiller and Kenneth Walker also being in the mix. Spiller, somebody I like and is often mocked as the top back. Those guys, you know, if they have a role, they're going to climb into that third round range, you would think, as the offseason goes along. If the Jaguars seem to have sort of any semblance of competency and we get good injury information back on ETN, you know, he's going to move into that three, four round range. I mean, you're getting a multi-round discount here unless the news ends up being very, very poor. And when we're trying to figure out, like, how can we build running back upside into our teams without paying the exorbitant prices that the real stars often go for, then I think you have to take some shots in this range. You mentioned Ayuk. He's an, an interesting guy here where 
you know, he averages 15 points per game as a rookie. He looks like someone who could potentially take the next step and be a real star. Obviously, he falls apart over the first half of his sophomore campaign, then he rallies to average over 13 and a half points from week nine on. He's really the perfect weapon for the modern game, right? And you alluded to some of that. He averaged 6.2 yards after the catch per reception, which was eighth best in the NFL. We know the 49ers, one of the things that they really like to do is deploy these guys in a way where they can gain yards after the catch. And the fact that they have multiple weapons who do that with Ayuk and Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel, who they've said they're going to you know, continue to use as a running back, which there's the possibility there that that opens up more targets for Ayuk. Obviously, George Kittle, one of the very best overall tight end so they have some weapons there but one of the things that you see even in this bad season from Ayuk is the dominated intermediate targets he was unstoppable over the middle of the field you can go to his player explorer page and see the chart that kind of illuminates that a little bit I'll have that in the article but those are some things that we really like to see from big time wide receivers players who could take the next step and be absolute stars do i think that that's going to happen in trey lance's first season i guess i still have some concerns and i wouldn't you know go out and say look i mean this is an absolute smash he's going to be a player who scores 19 points a game is going to be drafted in the second round next season i have more conservative hopes than that but i do think he's someone who could outperform adp and one of the things that we talk about a lot is that you want to go after talent here, right? And kind of let the game play out. If Trey Lance ends up being better than, you know, some of the rookie practice reports indicated a little bit of the flashes that we saw in the games, then, I mean, there's a dream scenario here where you've got an absolute star. And, you know, part of this is just going to be good PR from the team and trying to help people understand the direction that they're going in and, smooth the way for this trade of Jimmy Garoppolo but the 49ers would have you believe that Trey Lance took a big step over the last month of the season in terms of how he looked in practice accuracy understanding the offensive concepts that type of thing you know again I would consider that to be mostly good marketing but we have to hope that he can come out and run the offense in a very effective way next season you mentioned good marketing. He obviously just wasn't good enough, though, with Jimmy Garoppolo's bad shoulder and kind of dislocated thumb to actually play in the offense. That's obviously he was doing very, very well, but just not well enough to overcome that. So we'll see what happens next year. I still have uh, high hopes for Lance. And, you know, I think a lot of the things we talked about last year, it's always interesting to hear that, though, because we do hear, you know, similar things with Jordan Love and both of those guys could be complete and other washouts and, you know, busts, but, you know, let's hope that there's some positive there um, and, and we'll see both of those guys have success. But Sean, it is that time. I give a recommendation last week. I'm going to let you take the floor, give the recommendation this week. What have you got uh, for the listeners on this occasion? I'm going to go with station 11, right? This is a, a sort of a limited run series based on a fantastic book by emily st john mandel that i had the good fortune of reading when it came out several years ago it's a look at a pandemic that was you know much more serious than the one that unfortunately we all have lived through these last several years and set kind of at the time of it set also 20 years in the future and you're looking at you know how does society build back what are the strengths and weaknesses of the individual characters, the human condition, all that kind of thing. And it tends to be one of these uplifting post-apocalyptic stories, which I think is important from the context of 
understanding the way things like joy and you know we, we talk so much about competitiveness within the context of sports where the stakes are actually very very low but then within the human condition we also have this element where you can go out there and accomplish amazing things when the stakes are actually very high and you have to bring out these elements of obviously hard work, love, trust, truth, those types of things, but also joy. And part of this story is about not just surviving, but thriving. And how do you do that within a society that's also very dangerous, right? And so you have religious cults and you have definite threat that still exists 20 years later and these different things wrapping around. And one of the things that was so cool about this series, which is on HBO Max, is that they radically re-envisioned the story, but in a way that is equally, if not even more successful than the book itself. And to see a, you know, a literary text brought out in a limited series like this, where the storytelling isn't the same, but it's also extraordinary, where the characterizations are just unbelievable the acting phenomenal the characters you know at different ages you know really uh, seeming to be both themselves and to have grown from the different experiences the visuals and the way that you know they're stunning just on a surface level but also have all of these resonances with some of the different thematic elements and the way that this story this comic book myth then influences and becomes sort of a, a guiding myth for some of the survivors. Very, very interesting, again, with the way you have echoes from the current time and then huge relevance then in the future. And you think, okay, well, in most cases, and as I described that, that seems pretty contrived. And yet, and, and there is a contrived element to it, but it's just amazingly successful. And one of the things that I think is missed as people discuss ethics and discuss sort of their, not even necessarily their own beliefs, but how beliefs exist in society and the different contrasts and tensions that we see. Obviously, ethics and beliefs out there in the broader world are a source of tension. And you know, people have a, a wide variety of, of thoughts on how those things are playing out in the current world. But I think that sometimes people do mistake or underestimate the importance of the power of myth as it helps to understand and illuminate different elements of the way people believe and the way people live. And so, and then just from a storytelling perspective, the way some of those things are introduced in, there's this, this magic and brilliance to the way that they've done it. And so I recommend the show. Maybe not everybody will like it, but from the perspective of executing at a really high level, one of the things that's interesting, I, I like a lot of shows that are not necessarily that sophisticated or that well-produced. I mean, you don't have to have incredible production values if you tell a fun story and keep people engaged, but there is something magical about seeing execution at this level. And so, yeah, I, I think if you're looking for something like that and are willing to you know go through some emotions there there will be some turd jerker aspects at, at different points so uh that's one you might have some fun with yeah you've really sold it to me there i always the sean's recommendations tend to be on platforms that aren't readily avail, available to me so i always have to go and find them through kind of 
back channels are, are different ways. So we'll, we'll see um, where I get this one from. But yeah, it sounds really good. And you mentioned the production. You know, if you do see certain programs that are that real high-end production, um, it does, you know, brings it to another level. And it can be, and I, sometimes I think I, I drive my wife crazy when sometimes we're having like dinner and I'll say like, you know, put that back again, just 10 seconds. And it's just like, I'll point out something that like was from, they had to do this to make that happen. And I really don't think that she cares, but that's something that I have an interest in, obviously from the production side. So always, well, fun conversations for me. I don't know about for her, but um, we, we do talk about it from time to time. Um, but in terms of the overall shows this week, Sean, um, really fun week of Rotoviz OT. We did have the show on um, Tuesday where we talked through kind of the possible winning scenarios for both teams. We also had JJ Zacharyson on on Thursday's podcast. Fantastic show, really great to have JJ on. Head back, check that one if you haven't already. And of course, today's show. Uh, and now we have the Super Bowl coming up uh, on Sunday, Sean. So just a, a really fun week here. Um, I joked with you um, earlier this week that, you know, after the Packers lost, it, it wasn't as much fun, but, um, you know, I've, I've kind of got my spirits back up and I'm ready to go here for the Super Bowl after a super fun week of Rotoviz OT. If you haven't already checked out the Rotoviz YouTube channel, head on over and check it out. The show um, from earlier this week and the shows we did are up there and um, would really mean a lot to us if you click that subscribe button as we continue to try and grow um, the community here at Rotoviz and Rotoviz Overtime um, and check those shows out. As always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass by adding the code RVRADIO2022 at checkout or going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for further information. We also do have the Rookie Guide available. You can also get that on rotoviz.com. We talked about it last week. We will be talking about it more in the coming weeks. Obviously, the Super Bowl taking a step to the forefront this week, but fantastic talking of production fantastic production there and really great stuff from sean and all the team that were involved uh, blair dave curtis and uh, travis and uh, everyone else that was part of that but head on over get yourself a copy check that out and of course um, as we get ready to wrap this one up if you do have any suggestions for content or topics over the coming weeks obviously the super bowl will wrap up we'll have more time to do some evergreen style content bring your way send those suggestions my way at overtime ireland on twitter or you can email them over at rotovizradio at gmail.com we'll try and implement some of those on upcoming shows and of course you can check out all of sean's work up on rotoviz.com and don't forget to make sure you're subscribed to both the rotoviz overtime podcast feed and the stadium bananas feed to get those shows from sean and ben as well fantastic stuff coming from them and until we're back after the super bowl have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.